Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome, welcome. This is the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm trying a new intro. Uh, I really like Armchair Expert by Dax Shepard. He does that every time. I don't have the bass in my voice that he does. Thought I would try something new. It is Jake Burns. It is going to be your Wednesday edition of the AFC Contender Series. We have Zach Hicks up today who covers the Colts for SI Now. He does a nice job. He's been around. I think he did Stampede Blue, which is SB Nation for a while. A culture in a transition year, but also should be talented enough to contend in the AFC South, which is a weird division where the Titans probably are the favorite. Uh, the, the Jags are trying to build something and the Texans are falling apart. So we're going to look at one of these potential two suitors out of this division. So let's get over to that interview right now with Zach Hicks and let's talk some Colts and see what they bring to the table in 2021. All right, if we're going to talk Colts, I always try to have Zach on. I think he does a great job covering them. I know he went to a new location. We'll talk about where Zach's covering the Colts at the end of the podcast. If you're not following him, I think you should try to follow everybody from a different team. Just one, you know, somebody who covers the team well because you need perspectives on other teams because I think that gives you a deeper insight into the NFL. So, Zach, thanks for joining us, man. I, I We really appreciate your time. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, man. Uh, appreciate it and appreciate the kind words there to start off. Yeah, of course. Uh, we're going to talk as we start looking at how last year finished. I think it was, you know, when they brought Phillip in, I think everybody in Indianapolis felt like this was going to be a one year, maybe a second year, but definitely one year. It's going to bring stability to the quarterback position, which was needed post-Andrew Luck. And, and, and I think he did an okay job and, and, you know, came very close to pulling off a playoff upset. So was was the feeling leaving that season you know, this is an upstart roster. We're, we're feeling good. We, we're a piece away. Or was it like, yeah, we should have been better? I kind of like to feel how the end of the year uh, sort of wrapped up for each team. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of tough because I, I think if you said, if you told me going into last year that the Colts were going to be the seventh seed and losing the first round to the two seed, you know, I, I probably would have been like, okay, yeah, that's kind of what I expected uh, with the Phillip Rivers signing and where the roster was at. Uh, so that part really didn't surprise me too much. But, you know, when you look at them, you know, they went 11-5 and five last year. Being the seventh seed at 11-5 and five is something that nobody would have expected. You know, we all expected that spot to be an, like a 9-7 and seven team or something or maybe an 8-8 eight and eight type team. Uh, so to go 11-5, and five, still get that seventh seed spot, uh, nearly pull off the upset uh, in Buffalo. And that's with them making, you know, like six crucial mistakes. You know, missing a 30-yard field goal, uh, fourth and goal, uh, not converting a fourth and goal, the red zone. So there were a lot of things that they could have done uh, right. But ultimately, you know, I don't think they were a Super Bowl team. I don't think they were like really going to get to the next step and be in the Super Bowl by any means that they would have beat Buffalo. Uh, so overall, I think it was a, I think it was a positive year. You can't really take away too many negative things of it. A lot of young players stepped up and played really well. Uh, Philip Rivers had even more in the tank than I expected, and I was one of the people who really loved that signing. So uh, yeah, I think it was it was a it was a positive season where you knew that you had to take some different approaches the next season. You know, because you knew Philip Rivers either was going to come back on maybe one more year, but. Oh, you know, he ultimately ended up retiring, so you had to go somewhere else with quarterback, left tackle, retired. So you knew there was going to be some big changes, but 
you know, overall, when you look at 2020 and you look at how the rookies played, how some of the young players played, how Philip Rivers played, I think it was a very positive season for the Colts, and you really can't take away too many negative things with it. I couldn't agree more. I thought that they overachieved, and not that the roster wasn't good enough. It all hinges on the quarterback position, and then it was like, you yeah. know, Phillips transferring into a new system, new place. He's tail end of his career. How does this all shake out? And I thought that they, you know, fielded a really competitive team, and I thought the game they played in Cleveland was highly competitive. Could have mm-hmm. gone either way up to a certain point. So when I talk about contenders, I see, you know, I think Indy is, is a real – uh, is a real threat to Tennessee and vice versa. And I think that there could be a, a, a nice battle there once again. And going into 2021, is that kind of what you guys are thinking? That it's, it's you and Tennessee? Or where's the division sitting? What's the sort of general outlook for the Colts this year? Yeah, so I mean, when you when you look at the AFC South, I think the consensus is uh, Tennessee or, or India are going to be one of those teams that comes out of there. Uh, maybe Jacksonville, if everything goes 100% right, and Trevor Lawrence is you know, has the best rookie season we've ever seen. I could definitely see them being like a sneaky team that does knock off some teams this year. Uh, But Houston with Deshaun Watson likely not playing is probably not going to really compete much. I mean, that's probably going to be an easy two wins for every team in the division. Uh, But yeah, I think it's going to be Tennessee and Indy, and I think it's going to be a tough battle. I mean, last year we saw it was was a pretty tough battle up until the last week uh, where Tennessee had a complete, you know, like a Hail Mary type pass against uh, Houston to, to take the division at the last second. Uh, in week 17 so it was a tough fought division last year and I think it's going to be much of the same between those two teams uh, for the next couple years I mean both teams really know how to build rosters uh, and they have two of the better rosters in football Uh, you know the the Titans obviously added Julio Jones and a lot of other big playmakers so uh, yeah I think it's gonna be a really hard fought battle and and hopefully you know if Carson Wentz is getting closer to 2017 and 2018 Carson Wentz then yeah I see those two teams uh, duking it out until the last week again. Well, let's attack the elephant in the room, which is Carson. As we look at the roster, we're going to go group by group, which is what we do on these things because I think it gives you a deeper understanding of the players that you're going to see when the Browns uh, potentially face these teams. So Carson is the trade. Uh, I, I, I'll i just open the floor. Where where were you? You've done some – if you have not checked out, Zach's done some fun threads on his mechanics and where things have went awry and where he needs to get eventually if he tries to get back to 2017, uh, the 2017 version. Um is is it a step up from Philip, or is it like you're just trying to get that level, and maybe the confidence goes and it flourishes? So, I'm not trying to guide you one way. I, I just want your unfiltered opinion of this trade because it was a very divisive trade. Yeah, you know, I, I see both ways of it, and honestly, I don't even fault the Colts for making the trade. I think, you know, the NFL you have to take some, you have to swing for the fences every now and then. And I think this was definitely a swing for the fences type of trade uh, because you're essentially giving up what is going to be a first round pick and a third-round pick for the quarterback by almost every single metric, even by the, you know, watching film, was the worst quarterback in football last year. I mean, there's no other way to really put it. He was absolutely dreadful in 2020, uh, even if you account for how bad his supporting cast was. He was not good whatsoever. Uh, so that, there's a lot of risk that comes with that. And I think that's where a lot of hesitancy comes with me, where it wasn't just 2020 either. It was like the last half of 2019, or for a majority of 2019, uh, he, he did struggle quite a bit there in Philly, and there were a lot of issues uh, when it came to his game, and you can kind of see those issues really compound into an awful season in 2020. Uh, but Carson Wentz is a super talented quarterback. Uh, hope, you're hoping that it's mostly a confidence and and just surrounding situation that he was in Philly, and he can get back to where he was. Uh, but 
you know, I, I think for, for 2021, and I might be in the minority here, I know Colts fans are a lot more optimistic than I am. I, I just like to see what I can and, and kind of go from there, you know, see from films, see from analytics and make my opinion from there. And and I think if if he hits, you know, around where Phillip Rivers was last year, I think Phillip Rivers was like 11th in DVOA. I think he was seventh in, in EPA for per play, you know, those those analytics and stuff like that. Uh, if Wentz is around that mark, I think this is great for the team. That, that's a huge step up uh, from where Carson Wentz was last season. Uh, so if he can be around where Phillip Rivers was for the Colts in 2020, uh, I think that's a that's a great win for the Colts going forward because you can only you can always assume that he can get better going forward with that. Uh, but you know, getting to that point, I think it's going to be tough. I think a lot of things have to go right, and I think he really needs to make some positive strides this all season and going into this this season to really improve a lot of his mechanical uh, confidence, his his uh, his eyes as well in the in the pocket. There's a lot of things that that really compounded and made his struggles so mighty the last couple of years, but. Uh, at the end of the day, super talented quarterback, uh, great arm. Uh, he, you know, he's a hero ball guy who can make those big plays down the field and, and make those great highlight plays. Uh, so I get, I get the Colts taking the risk. Uh, it's probably a little more than what I would have paid, uh, but I, I think he's going to be overall. I think he's going to be perfectly fine this year. I think he's going to be inconsistent as long as he takes that positive step going forward. And 2021 shows that hey, Carson Wentz is not broken. I think it's a it's a win of a season for the Colts. You know, I think that's the biggest thing for the Colts this year. I don't even care if, if the Colts win two games this season. As long as Carson Wentz shows that he is not broken and you can actually go somewhere with him, uh, obviously two wins would be tough to show that. But you know what I mean? Like if he shows that he's just not broken, he can play competitive football again, uh, it's, it's a perfectly fine 2021 season. I don't care what the record says. Yeah, he's, he's all that matters right now. I, th- yeah. I think – I, I don't have a ton to add because I didn't study Carson. He was certainly broken when he came to Cleveland this year, and the Browns exploited him. <laughs> and it was terrible conditions, too, to add to it. It was just – I think the writing was all over where Philly was headed at that time. So a lot of people that listen to this podcast make their presumptions off of what they saw this year. I think there's good quarterback play left in him. It mm-hmm. would be a challenge to get it out of him, a, a, a consistently high level out of him. A lot of what Carson was doing when he was thriving was – he was putting his body on the line quite a bit, which he can't do, as you know. And and but there's still a good leader in there. There's still a good. There's a good enough player to win football games, which is just something we talk about with Baker Mayfield, which is he's good enough to win with. Carson's good enough to win with. It's about for Carson, re, re you know, f- establishing the confidence that that made him who he was, and in going to a place like Indy, which is a culture location. All of that can only help. So it'll be one of the better storylines to follow this year. Let's talk. Let's talk running back. I think Jonathan Taylor is in in a real position to take a step into being among the. You know, we all in Cleveland area get all upset because Nick Chubb's not on someone's top five unless we throw a fit like like none other. But I think Jonathan Taylor has a chance to be that guy who starts cracking those lists last year. Was he everything you thought he would be? Talk to me about Hines a little bit too. And I mean, you know, as far as three Browns have the two. Two-headed running back tandem, it's really good. I think it's the best in the league. I don't think the Colts are far behind. And then when you add Marlon Mack in as the third guy on the roster, I think they have every argument to be the deepest at that position in the NFL. Go ahead and tell me a little bit of that outlook for that group this year. Yeah, for sure. You said it well. I think I think if you're talking pound-for-pound pound running back groups in the NFL, uh, I think the Colts are right behind the Browns in terms of being – the, the best in the league and you know you can't beat what the Browns have obviously with that one-two punch but Jonathan Taylor was great as a rookie uh really stepped up down the stretch now honestly 
a lot of those teams he played against down the stretch were some of the easier rush defenses to face uh, in the NFL, like the Raiders, the Jaguars, the Texans. Uh, but he, you know, you can only play who's on your schedule, and he played well. He showed a lot of uh, improvements in terms of his vision, his contact balance, and he created huge plays. Uh, so he was outstanding last year, and and we can only think he, we can only assume that he's going to build off of that going forward. Uh, Naeem Hines had his best year as a running back last year, a career three point nine yards per carry type guy, uh, and last year he got up to four point eight yards a carry as the number two back. Uh, led the team in, in receptions as well with sixty. Uh, can't say enough about him. He's a great player, one of the best uh, like scat back, third down backs in the league. And then Marlon Mack, like you said, I mean. If Marlon Mack's your third running back, you're doing things right. Uh, he is coming off an Achilles tear, which traditionally is the the injury that just ends running back careers. I and mean, we've seen a lot of guys go down with it and and never really get back to where they were. Isaiah Crowell, Vic Ballard, Arian Foster, uh, they all ended up either out of the league or or not even close to their former selves within a year or two of losing their of uh, injuring their Achilles. Uh, so it, it really is to see where he's coming back from that Achilles injury, but luckily he won't be you know, asked to be the lead back at all. He'll be in that kind of third role, uh, get the occasional carry there, and if he gets hot one game, he'll get you know, get some carries uh, going in, the, in that whatever game that would be. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you got a guy, you got a guy who's your third back who was a thousand yard rusher just you know two years ago. So very very deep running back group who can you know that can do a lot of things. Jonathan Taylor can kind of do it all. Hines is a great pass catcher who improved as a running back, and, and Marlon Mack, if he can even get back to you know 80, 90 percent of what he was, uh, you're looking at a really really good running back group here in Indy. No doubt. They're going to be a group to keep an eye on as one of the ones, like I said, that push the top of the league next year. Uh, tons of talent, and Hines is so versatile, so fast, uh, so dangerous. He's a fun player. And a fun Madden player, I will add as yeah, well. Yeah, I, could, just I get him in all my Madden leagues for sure. <laughs> you can't, man. He's so, he's so good. Um, wide receiver. A lot of familiar names that people will hear them, they'll know in the Ohio areas. T.Y. Hilton's been there forever. Talk to me about wide receiver, tight end. And then sort of what they prefer to do. Do they like more two tight end sets? Do they like to play 11 personnel? Just sort of sum up the pass catchers and tight ends mixed in there with them if you can. Yeah, the the Colts are more of an 11 personnel type team. They run a lot of 11. Uh, they like to have one of the tight ends on the field. Mostly it's going to be Jack Doyle, who's their lead guy. Uh, he's been there forever. I think he's a two or three time pro bowler. A uh, really consistent player. And honestly, you know, for, for all of you guys who are like do fantasy football and stuff, uh, I'm not huge on fantasy football, so maybe I'm just, I don't really understand it. But uh, Jack Doyle, I think, is going to, has a really good chance to lead this team in catches with especially how. Carson Wentz targets the tight end, how he's traditionally thrown the ball to the tight end. I really do think Jack Dola has a chance to, to lead this team in receptions uh, in 2021. Uh, but behind him, you have Moelle Cox, and then you have a rookie in Kylan Granson. Uh, you know, the Colts actually run uh, 13 personnel, per, ran 13 personnel at an 8% clip last year, which was fourth highest in the league. Uh, they also do mix in quite a bit of 12. I think they ran it uh, close to 18 to 20% of the time last year as well. So they, they do like to mix a lot, mix them up and get a lot of tight end sets on the field. Uh, so yeah, you're going to see a lot from that tight end group and a lot of versatility uh, with what they can do with those guys. And when it comes to receiver, honestly, you know, T.Y. Hilton is who he is at this point. You know, he's not really going to be that downfield threat every single game, but he can get the occasional deep ball. He's going to win more in the intermediate game. Uh, Zach Pascal kind of does it all. He's more of your slot guy, but he can play on the outside. Uh, the biggest the biggest storyline for the Colts receiver core, though, comes in if one of these young guys can break out. Can Paris Campbell stay healthy 
and actually be productive this year? And can Michael Pittman Jr. take that next step and go from promising rookie to, you know, consistent outside receiver? And I think that's where the Colts are really uh, relying on the receiver this year is if one of those guys can step up and, and like establish themselves as a legit player in this league, then you can feel good about that, that wide receiver group. But right now, it's a lot of question marks. You really hope that one of those two guys, though, can secure that spot and, and be a long-term option for Carson Wentz. You talked about earlier um, left tackle filling that hole from Costanzo, right? I think, yeah. I think you know, Eric Fisher's coming back from injury. Um, but talk about the rest of the group. Braden Smith's back. We all know how great Quentin Nelson is. It's still a really good offensive line. I mean, if you can get who's, – who's filling in for Fisher until he gets healthy, and do you feel okay about that? Uh, so it's going to be Sam Tevy, uh, who, if you guys don't know, he's kind of started the last three years for the Chargers at left tackle or right tackle. Honestly, I, I don't think he's as bad as what the numbers say or what Pro Football Focus says and all that. Uh, definitely doesn't have much strength in his game, and that's that's worrisome. And, and he will get beat up and, and be on some low lights in those first couple games. But I think he's perfectly fine, especially on a quick passing attack team like the Colts. But you know, when you, when you look at this offensive line, it's one of the best in the league for a reason. Uh, Brandon Smith, uh, Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson are among the top players in the league at their position. Uh, Mark Lewinsky is a very solid starter. And honestly, in the NFL, if you if you have a solid starter on the offensive line, uh, that's a good thing. You know, because there's if you're below average or you have someone poor, it can really hurt your offense. But as long as you have an average offensive lineman, you're perfectly fine. So those four guys are going to be really solid. They're going to be able to shift protection and, and kind of shift the play away from Sam Tevye early in the season. So I don't think it's going to hurt them too much. We saw Jared Valdir step in the last uh, three weeks of the season and into the playoffs, and, and the Colts offense you know rolled at the same level they were and even had better success on the ground than what they did with Costanzo in there. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not too, too concerned about Tevye starting. Uh, I'm more concerned to see how Fisher comes back from that Achilles injury uh, when he steps back into the starting role but um, overall I mean as long as Fisher is again 80 90 percent of what he was uh, this Colts offensive line is going to be as dominant as it was before uh, maybe even more dominant if Fisher can be an upgrade in the run game because Costanzo kind of fell off a little bit last year before his injury uh, you know having a guy who can maybe play an above average level like Fisher can do uh, can only make this group a little bit better we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So the question is, how do they find success? Do they need to run the football 60-40? Uh, is it heavy dose of run, heavy play action? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm curious when you think like, 
the Colts find a ton of success on offense this year. Does that mean they find the middle of the NFL and sort of your EPA success numbers? Like, I'm kind of curious what 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 offensive success how they get there this year. Man, it's been tough the last couple of years. It's it's very you know one week it'll be a seventy uh, percent of the plays are throw are passing plays. Uh, the next week it'll be seventy percent of the plays are are running rushing plays. You know, I, I think the the main point is just having a very balanced attack, having a, a type of offense where. You know, if the running game is getting stuffed early, you can go to the pass game and it can be effective and and kind of vice versa. So I don't think there's really one way to to go. I don't think, you know, the Colts are going to be like the Titans where it's, you know, we have to run the ball with Henry 30 times a game and get that play action game going with Tannehill. I think the biggest thing is really going to be can they get Carson Wentz to really understand that you don't have to make the hero ball every single play you know you, you can you can take the check down you can methodically go down the field as long as they can get that through his head he can limit the turnovers and, and that includes the fumbles that he's had in the pockets the last couple of years um and they can just be balanced you know where they can just flip-flop you know some games can be big running games other games can be big passing games you know i think they'll be perfectly fine but yeah the biggest thing again is it just all comes down to carson uh, if Carson can get even somewhat back to 2017, 2018 levels and and play more in control and, and more confidently, uh, they'll be perfectly fine. But it's just getting to that level is the biggest thing. So the general feels defense is going to have to do a lot of legwork this year. It should be a pretty good group. I should ask before we totally switch to defense, any big offensive staff changes of note that, that will directly reflect this year? Uh, not not huge as in like they'll reflect because Frank Reich is still the play caller, uh, but they did have quite a bit of a, a you know a change up because Sirianni went to Philly and took a lot yeah. of the staff with him. Uh, so quarterback coach Marcus Brady is now the offense coordinator. Okay. Uh, they brought in Scott Milanovic from the CFL to be the quarterback coach, uh, and I believe tight end coach is Clayton Adams, who was the assistant offensive line coach. Uh, so he moved over there. So it's nothing that really affects much of what we see it's more behind the scenes and stuff but frank reich's still the play caller uh so that that much in terms of how the offense operates maybe they'll get some more cfl type stuff into the offense though with marcus brady and scott milanovich but that's the only kind of change i could really see so it'll be similar structure similar schemes for yeah. the most part yeah. defense let's talk the the the, uh, the group up front you know grover stewart doesn't get talked about enough uh, deforest buckner we all know how fantastic he is taekwon lewis kind of looking at listed starters Talk to me about how you feel about Quiddy Pay for this group up front. Do you think Quiddy sort of rounds it out? Is it now one of the NFL's best, in your opinion? Oh, no. Not, not that close. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Uh, so, Quiddy Pay, I am super excited for him. I think long-term, I think that was an amazing pick, and I think the decision to move on from Autry and Justin Houston to go with Quiddy Pay and, and you know, Dio Day and Bo as well uh, when he gets healthy off his Achilles, I think that decision is going to be great long-term. Uh, I just don't know how much it's going to help in 2021 which is perfectly fine you know it doesn't really need to be a big benefit in 2021 uh but you know when you look at quitty pay he's a very raw pass rusher there's a lot of things he needs to improve on before he can really be a consistent contributor in the nfl and i think we're going to see a little bit of that in his rookie season and then you know dio is also coming off that achilles injury won't even play the first handful of weeks maybe up to half the season so those guys won't be huge impacts early this season but i think eventually quitty pay will round out that group and make that group very good it's just i don't know for 2021 but yeah those other guys you mentioned deforest buckner uh top tier defensive tackle in football grover 
you were one of the best one techs in football. Actually, gave you guys quite a bit of a, a struggle last year when Tons you were playing fans. against. Oh yeah, yeah, and that, and that's crazy because you know the Browns were rolling up everybody on the ground with with that offensive line. But uh, he was he he had his best game of the season, I think, against the Browns, which is crazy. Uh, and then Tyquan Lewis is perfectly capable. He just needs to be more consistent. Uh, hopefully, he plays a lot more of that defensive end role. Uh, they didn't move him a lot in inside and out from three tech to to defensive end. I want to see him more on the defensive end this year. Uh, but I, I think it can be a good group. It's just, you know, someone needs to emerge as that guy for 21 to be successful on the edge. And I don't know if that's going to happen in 2021. I'm, I'm super confident about Quiddy Pay and, and Dio Adambo. I just personally, for my for me, I don't see it happening in 2021. But th- again, that, that's perfectly fine. Uh, the future is all that really matters right now. Yeah, we were we were all over Quiddy Pay in this, this mm-hmm. draft circles over here. We thought it was a legitimate option if he was on the board when Cleveland arrived. We obviously like Dio too. We thought he could be a nice player to stash for for a future. Sort of in that Jeffrey Simmons, not as talented as Jeffrey Simmons obviously, but a guy who you can do sort of similar things with or you can hold on to and then he becomes an unexpected rookie down the line. Uh, It's still a good group. I think think Quiddy could could surprise quickly and and it turns into a pretty good group. Talk linebackers. I know Anthony Walker comes to Cleveland, um, but still you know, Okariki, Darius Leonard, uh, touch on those, and then touch on 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 Walker from from your perspective, covering him and what the Browns are getting, if you don't mind, because a lot of fans are still kind of curious on that. Yeah, yeah. So I'll even start with Walker. I I love Anthony Walker. I think he's a, a great human being. He uh, sat down with me with a for a film session interview last year. Uh, really nice guy. One of the smartest guys I've ever interviewed. I I will honestly say that. Uh, just from the level of just understanding how offenses attack and you know the split decisions. You know the second that the play, you know the ball is snapped. He knows what the offense is doing. It's just the biggest thing that hurt him in his Colts tenure was his lack, his kind of his lack of athleticism. I, you know, I'll be blunt with it. Uh, in pass coverage and also even in the run game, it kind of hurt him a bit. Uh, he's a lot better attacking downhill, but when he has to, you know, backpedal and get into his own spots and and kind of and go from there, and maybe even playing some man coverage, you see a lot of those issues. So it just didn't make sense in the Colts scheme where you know Darius Leonard plays at 205 pounds and and. Bobby Okariki plays at like 220. You know, these guys are fast, fast linebackers that are asked to cover so much ground. And they typically play two linebacker sets, so you have to cover so much ground. It just didn't make sense to have him here. But I do know that, you know, Darius Leonard loved him. Kenny Moore loved him. All the, all the top players in this defense uh, couldn't say a bad word about him. And honestly, me just talking to him for, I think it was like an hour that I talked with him, I think. Uh, I think the world of the guy. I think he's he's great. So I, I love his fit in Cleveland. I think he's going to be great there. Uh, and you guys definitely needed that type of player in that group. So I'm super excited for him. But, you know, when you look at the Colts linebackers, again, they, they typically run a 4-2-5 uh, type defense as their base, uh, two linebackers in the field. And you have two of the fastest in the league in Bobby Okariki and Darius Leonard. So they're going to get after it. Uh, hopefully uh, Okariki can take that next step this year and, and be more consistent and be an all-around starter. Uh, but that's the biggest thing with that linebacker group is if if Okariki can take the next step because you know what you're getting out of Darius Leonard. You know he's one of the best in the league, um, and he's going to fly around. It's just can Okariki show that he's a vast improvement over Anthony Walker, and can he make more plays on defense? You know I think he had two picks last year. I think one forced fumble. He's shown the ability that he can make plays, but can he do it at a more consistent level? Is the biggest thing. Yeah, I think Walker. They're hoping. I think I'm glad you highlighted the lack of a little bit of that lack of athleticism. I think gets him in trouble. I tried to highlight that when I wrote about yeah. him. But you hope, like you said, 
the the leadership, the mental fortitude, the 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 game preparation stuff that was so impactful for the young guys in Indy can translate here, even if it's just for a year. Those yeah. things that guys, you know, Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa can take with them, those sorts of things. So, well, it, second, it was oh, so, go ahead. Yeah, just go to ahead. interrupt, it, it was so big for the guys in Indy. I mean, uh, if you talk to Darius Leonard, Darius Leonard doesn't believe that he would be where he is without Anthony Walker. Uh, so just that ability, because, you know, I'll even say, I, I, you know, I think it's out there because Leonard said it in an interview, but uh, Leonard said during his rookie season he didn't watch much film because it made him play slower on the field. So hmm. a lot of what he was kind of – relying on out there was Walker reading something, relaying it to Leonard, and they could kind of go off that. So it was a lot of those t- those guys just kind of played off each other. Uh, and Darius Leonard, the be- one of the best linebackers in football, says he wouldn't be where he is without Anthony Walker. So that's the kind of guy you're getting uh, in that locker room. And, and again, every every single team needs a player like that in your locker room, and, and Anthony Walker uh, is certainly that kind of guy. That's a good nugget. Thanks for sharing that, man. Um, I know our fan base will appreciate it. The secondary, some guys have stepped up, established themselves. Rocky Sin, obviously. Julian Blackman, I think, have taken nice steps. Uh, I think TJ Carey's still there, former Brown. Talk, talk mm-hmm. about the secondary, where they're coming into this year, what your expectations are for them. Yeah, the biggest thing is corner. Uh, this year, the safeties are, are, you know, we don't have really too much concern with the safety group. Julian Blackman and Kari Willis uh, have emerged as one of the better young safety duos in the league. Uh, you really can't complain too much about how they've played. Uh, over last season, Carwell's got better, and Julian Blackman obviously had a breakout uh, freshman or rookie season. Uh, you know, Kenny Moore is one of the best slot corners in football, and he always will be. Uh, there's no worry right there at all with his play uh, tapering off or anything like that. Uh, Xavier Rhodes is the other starter on the outside. They brought him back in free agency. Uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully he doesn't hit that wall like he hit in Minnesota and hopefully he can keep up his high play from last season, but we'll have to see. But the other, the, the biggest thing is that second corner spot, you know, Rockison has shown a lot of really good things in the league, but he's also shown a lot of really bad things. Uh, he needs to get better in man coverage, especially in press coverage. And he needs to get better at tracking the ball down the field and, and not getting in bad situations where he's going to get a pass interference. And, and that's what kind of led to his benching towards the end of last season for TJ Carey. Uh, so they got Carey competing for that spot. They got Yassin competing for that spot. Marvell Tell, uh, who's coming back from being a COVID opt-out last year, all competing for that second corner spot. And and hopefully it just makes one, whoever ends up the starter so much better. So that that's the biggest question mark in terms of starters on this team right now. I think that's the that's probably the only starter spot that's currently really like really up for grabs uh, going into the season. And you know ultimately I think it's going to be Rocky Sin that wins it. But again, he needs to really show big improvements in press man coverage and tracking the ball down the field, or he's not going to last in this league because that, that's a big part of playing corner in the NFL nowadays. So, yeah, still still plenty of talent defensively, some familiar names there. I think it'll be probably, if I had to guess, not quite as quality of defense as we're accustomed to seeing, but there are building pieces there that can yeah. make it that can make it down the line, like you mentioned about the future of defensive end and some of those things. So that'll be fun fun to track. I, I think if they end up winning the division, you'll see an emergence at some of those key positions. So if the Colts find success, I guess what I'm looking for, where do you think they settle in this year? Listen, nobody from the Colts side is going to listen to this podcast, so you can be blunt. <laughs> so I'm just curious what your kind of expectation is for uh, a realistic finish this year. Yeah, so I, I've said it a lot this offseason, especially with my – you know, when I've gone into the studying of Carson Wentz and really digging into his his mechanics and, and every little thing about him, is I do think he's going to get back to more of, again, like a league average type of player. You know, a guy who 
has great games and great flashes, and then he's inconsistent in some others. And I think that's going to hurt them, and it's going to help them in some other games. So I think they're going to finish around 9-7, and 10-6. Uh, ultimately, I think the Titans are going to win the division around 11-5 and five or 12-4. and four. Uh, But, I, yeah, I think the Colts are going to settle into that 6 or 7 seed in the playoffs. And, you know, hopefully they can beat a team like the Browns or the Bills in that first round. But, uh yeah, I think I think nine, seven, ten, and six would be a good stepping stone, and and obviously I think Colts fans would be upset about that because that would be two years in a row of just not taking a positive step, seemingly. But you got to remember this this roster got younger, it got a quarterback who was seemingly broken. If they can get to nine and seven, ten and six, and and be competitive in the playoffs, I think that's a positive step again for this team. And and then the the goal for twenty twenty two would be to you know get wins back up to maybe a top ten type quarterback and get your young edge rushers and young receivers, you know, to take that next step to, to really be a con- contender. But uh, this year is all about just showing positive things from that quarterback position, from those young receivers and from those young pass rushers. Uh, the record doesn't matter as long as those guys take those positive steps. They're, they're going to, you know, I, listen, it's winning culture. Nothing will surprise me with the Colts. The, yeah. the spectrum of them pushing for the wild card is, is a very fair expectation, in my opinion. I try to track these, Zach, as we have everybody on uh, looking at unfiltered opinions of the Browns because too often we get into this circle on our side of things where we just say the same things and, you know, you cover the Colts and everyone just sort of ends up thinking the same thing before the season starts. I like getting sort of unfiltered opinions on, on the Browns, where you think they are, what you what sort of expectation you would have for them from afar. Yeah, so I think, I think they're solidly in that second tier of AFC teams. You know, I think... Personally for me, and I know some people would disagree, but I think it's it's Kansas City obviously all by themselves, and then Buffalo kind of in that one-and-a-half tier. I just really love what Buffalo's doing, and I love a lot about their team and, and obviously their quarterback play. Uh, but after that, uh, yeah, I think there's a there's a good bunch of teams in that second tier, and I think Cleveland's were the high, like the higher end of that second tier. Uh, so I think you got Cleveland, you got Baltimore, you got Indy, Tennessee. Uh, you know, maybe if if Drew Locke does something or they get Aaron Rodgers, Denver can get up there. Uh, but I think you know you're really looking at Cleveland, Baltimore, Tennessee, Indy. Uh, maybe like one of those other teams. And they, all the AFC East teams actually kind of suck besides the Bills. So that's <laughs> true. They're really bad. Uh, so yeah, I think those four teams are really in that second tier. Is when I when I really think about it, uh, and I think again, Cleveland's probably the best of that second tier. I think they have a really good chance to win that division. Uh, probably the best or the second best offensive line in football. Uh, that's you can't really argue that best running back duo in in the league. Good receiver core, quarterback who had a really good positive step last year, and hopefully can take the next step. And then the defense that. You know, hopefully can just take that next step and, you know, a young defense that can just get better. Uh, great pass rushers on, on, on the front with Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like the Browns a lot. I think they're they're a sneaky team to pick for the Super Bowl this year. And I think they, they can win that division. They should win that division uh, if everything goes right, uh, just with the talent they have on that roster. Well, Zach, this was great, man. We really appreciate you. Again, he's the he's the lead analyst at uh, Sports Illustrated Colts. He's a contributor over at Cover One, who I love those guys. Uh, he's at Zach Hicks 2 on Twitter. We appreciate your time and insight, Zach. Yeah, thanks, bud. Thanks for having me on. Thanks again to Zach for joining us. And a reminder today, now, in the future, join us on the Twitch OBR. We're going there at the end of the month, right around training camp, July 26th. We're going to start putting up content on this awesome live stream platform. We're going to take all of our fresh ideas. We talked yesterday about the pre and post game show. Please 
Note that those will be a big part of what you do every game day. We are going to do OBR roundtables as well, where we talk about the game from every angle of our OBR staff, from our film to our beat coverage to our insider information to our draft analysis. Everybody will be involved. It'll be a ton of fun. So I hope you do check that out. And the first thing you can do, you don't do anything else right now, just subscribe to the OBR Twitch. We got about 150 people subscribed. We hope to have that near 300, 400 by the time we kick off. It's going to be a ton of fun. It's going to be almost every single night you can get Browns content. And as the season's going, that's when you want Browns content every single night. So check that out. And if you're an Amazon um, you know, subscriber already, if you use their Amazon Prime, there's some great benefits for that uh, that can already be tied into your Prime account. So check out the article that we have up at the OBR pertaining to Twitch, which will give you all that information. Again, thanks to Zach for joining us. We have done two other AFC Contender Series previews on the Chiefs and the bills you can go find those in this feed keep sharing this information about this podcast you guys have done a great job sharing it more and more listeners are coming over it's been great we need you to again subscribe so that you automatically get those downloads and you uh and you can give us a review we'd appreciate those reviews so we'll check back in tomorrow with a new chalk talk session we're going to talk wide receiver routes and popular route concepts that you see the browns run and are popular across the league so check that out until next time thanks for joining us and go browns